Welcome to Leadership Works with Chris and Karen Conley. We have a topic that is on the minds of lots of people right now as we end 2016 and start the new year. For many of us, it is that time where we look at new goals for a new year. Chris, we've got some great, helpful information, but maybe the first thing that I want to throw your way as we dive into this topic, there's some personalities that just thrive on this and they're just kind of wired that way and like this. There are others that it just kind of creates an anxiousness and they'd rather just avoid the thought altogether. What would you say to that person out there as to why should they keep listening and why should they be intentional to go through the process of developing some goals for 2017? We should never be afraid of goals. If there's some reluctance to set goals, typically that reluctance is found in some type of fear of, well, what if I don't hit my goals? Your goals are really just about prioritizing your desires. And whether you state that you have goals or not, you really do have goals because no one just desires for their life to remain average. No one desires for their life to go backwards. We all desire forward progress. Every single person has goals, whether or not they've stated them or not. So if those goals exist, then it only makes sense that we actually prioritize those goals, we write them down, and we put them in a format where it enables us to have a better chance of accomplishing our goals. Depending upon your stage of life or what you do with your time, sometimes we kind of think goals in a more limited capacity. And I think what will hopefully be very helpful to our audience today is we're really going to talk about goals in a wide variety of areas of our life to know that it's not just setting career goals or monetary goals, but it is. It is, again, it is having a decision-making point to go, I want to get better in some things. What are those things? And then being able to put a actionable plan in place. Yeah, the reality is we're all familiar with goals maybe in the workplace. Whether or not you have goals yourself, someone's going to have some goals for you, okay? So you have goals in your life, whether you realize it or not. The thing that I have discovered is that the more I have my own goals and I'm able to prioritize the totality of my life, kind of these, we'll talk about five categories today where you should set goals, then all of a sudden people are going to see the difference that those goals make in my life. And instead of me always being on the receiving end of trying to fulfill someone else's goals, then I really get to be in charge of my own goals more times than not. Yes, there might be a career goal that I'm having to be a team player and fulfill that, but four out of the five are really going to be about you and the career goal ultimately will be about you as well. I'm just curious, Chris. I mean, I have watched you for years. You're sitting on the sofa with your laptop the last week of December, kind of revamping and kind of getting all geared up so that when the new year strikes, you've got your plan in place. Even if it's the middle of January, you're listening to this and you haven't gotten that far yet. First of all, don't believe the lie that that means you've missed your chance. Put whatever date you want in front of you and let that be your new starting point. But I'm just wondering, you now have some miles under the belt of doing this. 
What would you say over the course of time has changed about how you approach this? What wisdom would you offer someone now that maybe five years ago you wouldn't have approached goal setting the same way? Kind of comical. I mean, I can go back and look in the different folders on my laptop and look at the different goals that I have set through the years. And early on, a document that I would have that would be a goal setting document. I mean, it might be 10 pages long. I mean, there would be no way I could possibly accomplish all those goals. It would be overwhelming. But what I've learned through the years is really to prioritize my goals that less is more. And really, it's kind of that concept that a lot of people have become familiar with in recent years is to take one word. And when you take that one word and that one word is going to really embody your goal for the year, then you have a much better chance of accomplishing that. And when we look at that in the context of five different areas of life, that's possible, that's doable. And so I guess it was two years ago that my one word was health, that I needed to regain control of my health and I needed to journal my food daily and exercise at least four times a week. And that year I lost 40 pounds. I lost 40 pounds because I had other disciplines already present in my life. I had other goals that were already kind of in operation. Things were going to be accomplished, but I made the primary goal, the one thing that I was going to make sure that I accomplished, if I didn't accomplish anything else, was I was going to regain control of my health. So when you will put one word to a goal, and then, yeah, sure, break that down to understand what that really means, then it keeps it front and center. I love that. Kudos to you. By God's grace, you're still taking control of your health. That's true. Terrific. So let's talk about those five categories, Chris. I know the first one should be everybody's first priority, and that is, in our terminology, my God. So what would you say to someone listening out there in terms of their spiritual life and their relationship with the Lord? How do you go about setting a goal for that? So here's the thing. Let me go ahead and give you kind of the five categories, and we'll back into setting goals for your spiritual life. So the first category is my God. The second is my family. The third is my health. The fourth is my friends. And then the fifth is my leadership or my career. So when we think about setting goals in the category of my God, this is where I would really, really encourage you to put together the one word, a singular word, and identify Where is area of your life that if you were to accomplish this one word, this one goal, this one concept, it would make the biggest impact? One of the things I would recommend to people, now this is kind of two words, but it means one thing. I would say, if you do not have a consistent devotional life, then I would say your one word ought to be priority time. Because a priority time is that daily unhurried time where I read the Word of God to know the God of the Word. And there is nothing that will change your life more than the daily discipline of spending time with God through the Word and prayer. Through that, you're going to renew your mind. And when you renew your mind, then you're no longer conformed to this world, but you're transformed. So what I would encourage people to do is to say, okay, is it my prayer life? Is it perhaps just to be consistent at church? We're going to embrace four spiritual goals at High Point Church this year. The first one will be called worship. One word, worship. Now, here's what we're going to do. Aim for every Sunday. 
aim for every Sunday because the average church attendee in America attends church 17 times a year. If we think about your most consistent faithful person, a lot of times people will travel 10 Sundays a year, so that puts you from 52 to 42. Then they're going to miss another 10 Sundays just for convenience or preference or sickness or a child sick or something of that nature, some type of responsibility. So that puts you already at 32. I mean, how can we be passionate in our walk with God? How can we be fully devoted in our walk with God when we're doing something part-time? We're doing something quarter-time. So like, you just take something like that. Or the, the second goal that we'll have this year at High Point Church in the spiritual category is the word connect. And it's aim for five friends. What would happen if you went to lunch or coffee with five friends once a week or twice a month and you actually just talked about your priority time. You talked about what it meant for you to truly love God, love people, to prove love works. Chris, what I love about just the different examples that you're giving, they're all doable. You use the expression, don't boil the ocean. If you are not consistently in God's word, the priority time, it really starts out saying, give God 20 minutes in your morning. That 20 minutes. For someone who's listening that, man, they're in God's Word daily and they think 20 minutes, that's nothing. Yeah, that mean, why even, you can't even get much. No, it's amazing. If you just start that discipline, God will grow it. He will give that hunger. If you decide you're going to just be committed to going to church, it's amazing what will come from just that one commitment. I'll give you an example. There is a very good friend of ours, John Wilfong. Last year, he made a commitment that he would attend church every Sunday. And he travels a lot. And he fulfilled that commitment. He went to church 52 Sundays. I was asking him the other day, what did you learn from that experience? And he said, one of the things I learned, that consistency gave me such an appreciation for the goodness of the body of Christ, that how much truth is there and how much it invests in my life. And I really realized that because of kind of what I reaped from sowing that seed, I'd be a fool not to make the commitment this year. So he's going to make the commitment a second year. So that kind of goes back to what we said. Worship is aimed for every Sunday. Connect is find five friends. And then there's two other goals that we've talked about in the spiritual category. Serve. Aim to make a difference. There's nothing about Christianity that is self-centered. And when we make it about us, then it really ceases to be Christianity. So what we've got to do is we've got to know that you're never going to have more fulfillment than when you serve according to your strengths and that you're really focused on others instead of yourself. And then the fourth one is give. Aim for 10% and more. Be a cheerful giver. Be a generous giver. So when we think about those spiritual categories, pick a word, turn the word into a discipline, turn the word into a habit. Now, the only way to overcome a bad habit is to replace it with a good habit. Your life is really the composite of your good habits or your bad habits. And that's really what you're going to reap, is whether or not you're sowing good habits or bad habits. In the world that I work in, in ministry, I find so often this common theme among women that they end up feeling lonely or isolated. 
while we're talking about spiritual goals and some of those we can make independently, many of the ones that you mentioned, actually, if we would commit to them, whether male or female, would hit some of those core needs that we have. As you referenced in that example, the community and the things that come with that can really bring more health than we ever realized. We might set out going, I'm going to do this for the Lord and I'm going to be more faithful this year and realize that what we are sowing will reap benefits in many areas. One of the five categories, we've said my God, my family, my health, my friends, my leadership. One of the spiritual categories just fit the category of my friends. The second one was connect, find five friends. I believe that friendship is one of the most underappreciated, underrecognized spiritual disciplines there is. When we have those five friends, we really do five things with those five friends. We should encourage one another day after day as long as it's still called today. The second thing is we stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Third, we restore one another in a spirit of gentleness because we're all imperfect people and we're all going to make bad choices at times. So we restore one another in a spirit of gentleness. Fourth, we carry one another's burdens because we come in and out of adversity and crisis and things like that. Fifth, we live for one another's progress and joy in the faith. Think about those five things. If you have five friends who are committed to those five things, show me an unhealthy person. You're not going to find one. I guarantee that if you had five friends committed to you and you were committed to them around those five applications, you would have greater health than you can ever comprehend. When we used to have blockbusters, which no longer exist, I had to go in at the beginning from A to Z to look at things. So I realized I'm the one that just took us out of order, which will ruffle my feathers more than yours. <laughs> but so we just jumped from... A perfect example between linear thinking and circular thinking. That's right. I am definitely in the linear your category. But while we're here and we're landing on the goal setting aspect of friendship, for some people that seems counterintuitive. Friendships are just supposed to happen. Like, how do you make this goal? Why is that a struggle for people? And what are some really doable steps to achieve those five? Regarding goals, just turn them into practical steps. We would all say to one degree or another that we have friends, but not all of those friendships are equal. Some are casual friends. Some are acquaintances. Some are kind of these lifelong friends that you can pick up the phone, you can call them, and you can reconnect immediately, but maybe they live in a different part of the country. You have some friends that maybe your lives overlap a little bit more, and you see them more frequently because your children are the same age and things like this. It's really just about prioritizing time together. So that's why we say typically at a restaurant, you got a booth or you got a table that seats four. Then why don't you pick three other people and you just simply go to breakfast once a week, go to lunch once a week, go to coffee once a week. When you will take something so simple, so practical and just put it on the calendar, then something powerful happens. Simple turns into powerful. Don't overcomplicate these things. It's sowing and reaping. If you sow that, you're going to reap a powerful result. All of us long for different things, and it really can be as simple as saying, I can't control those other people. But if I don't step out and make the invitation, if I don't schedule it on my calendar, then I'm part of the problem. I'll give you an example. So this morning, I had breakfast with two friends. 
One of those friends I have literally known since I was 10 years old. I'm 46 today. Another one of those friends I have been really good friends with for the past 15 years. And I should have breakfast with these two people on a much more regular basis. It's the first time I've done it this year. We enjoyed it. And I guarantee you that each one of us, that when we walked from we said, why don't we do that more frequently? That's why you write down goals. That's why you put them on a calendar. Don't look at the new year and the new year resolution and don't take a cynical attitude. Of course, listen, here's another thing I've learned about goals. I'm not going to accomplish every single goal I'll write down, but I'm going to accomplish probably 70 to 75% of them. And I'm going to accomplish more having written them down than not having written them down. When I look back, I'm going to be grateful for the 75% I accomplished, and I'm not going to worry about the 25% I didn't. Absolutely. Before we leave the category of friendship, anything else that you would add? No, we got to get back in the linear sequence here. We got to go, my God, and then we got to go, my family. Yeah, I like my family because I think that has to do something with me. So, what does it look like for goals around your family? Best way I know to do this is just give you an example of the goal that I have written out for 2017. I want to be a husband who is known by my passionate pursuit of Karen, my wife, a marriage where we sharpen one another run the race together, and make a difference as a couple and as individuals. What I'll do is I'll take those two sentences, then I'll transfer those sentences to actual appointments on the calendar so I don't just say those things, but I prioritize those things and live those things out. We want to sharpen one another. We want to run the race together. The fact that you and I do this podcast together is an example of how we run the race together. It's an example of how we don't want independent lives, that we want to share the ministry that we have together. We want to make a difference as a couple. There's certain things like this we do together. Then there are things that we do individually where you've written Miss Perfect, and you're in the process of writing a second book. I'm in the process of finishing up a book called Love Works, and we've got these individual projects, but then we have things that we do together. So that's in the marriage category. Then in the family category... Now, the first sentence is very important. Like when I write these things, they are crafted with great intentionality on each word. And the first sentence says this, since life is more caught than taught, since life is more caught than taught, my first goal is to be a dad who makes living for God a satisfying and rewarding journey. My second goal is to inspire Mark and Annika to be difference makers for God according to their strengths and skills. I know it's more caught than taught, and that whole concept of people talk about quality time as if you can just schedule quality time. You have to have quantity of time in order to have moments of quality time happen. So I want them, when they see my life and they see you and I live for God, I want them to see that to be something that's satisfying, not us complaining or talking about how difficult it is to serve. No. When we give, what do we want to be? We want to be cheerful givers. You know, we want to be servants who love what we're doing. We want to be passionate about what we're doing. It's more caught than taught. And then that second goal is to inspire them to be difference makers for God according to their own strengths and skills. They don't have to do what I do. They don't have to do what you do. They have their own strengths. They have their own story. And I want to help them discover what gifts God gave them and what they're going to be good at and help them be faithful in a little and then watch how God will put them in charge of much. One of the things I think is so important to hear in what you're saying 
you do. You take that idea. What do I want it to look like in my marriage? What do I want it to look like for our children? Or if you're a single and dating, what do I want this to look like? It all applies, whatever stage of life. What do I want it to look like in order for, in our example, for our children to see living for God as satisfying? Okay, then we need to have them observe not just us in our house, but be alongside us sometimes in ministry. We also need to schedule things in such a way that we're not crazy and they don't just see us running around with our hair on fire. And that's where those practical calendaring takes place. It's one of the reasons why Annika last year went on a mission trip to Peru and why Mark and I are going on a mission trip to Peru. We prioritize something like that. We put it on the calendar. It's a shared experience and they can begin to learn and experience that for themselves, not just through us. Absolutely. Also, that mention of their own strengths and skills. So that requires some intentionality for us to figure out to make sure they know what their strengths and skills are to be intentional with that. Here we are. My health. I know you referenced this earlier. This has been a goal of yours in the past, kind of your primary goal. What's it look like in the category of these five goals? How does it fit in and what does that look like? It's one of those things that we take for granted a lot of times. The moment you begin to take your health for granted is the moment that it begins to get away from you and deteriorate. So we've got to be proactive in this area instead of reactive, unless you're like under 25. If you're under 25, like, you know, I mean, just genetically, you got it going for you. But after 25, things are starting to change a little bit, especially after 40, the metabolism really starts to slow down. And then you have to work harder than ever before to accomplish less than you've ever accomplished before. (laughs) So the goal that I wrote here is I want to discipline and challenge myself physically so that I can be healthy and fully engaged in my family's life and maximize my potential as the leader of High Point Church. So there's a part of health that's discipline. It's the fact that four days a week, I've got three other buddies that we meet at the church at 630 in the morning, and we do a modified version of CrossFit. We don't do the crazy stuff that Andy Savage and those guys do. We do the modified 40 plus, 50 plus age group version. It's the fact that Annika and I just disciplined ourselves to run the St. Jude half marathon. That's a discipline process. But it's also like the half marathon was a challenge. Oh, let's put a challenge in front of us. Let's push ourselves beyond what we would do just with a regular process. That's where the competition comes in. So it's those kind of things that just enables us to put health higher on the priority list because when Annika and I were training for the half marathon, it means I had to quit work a little bit earlier. It means I had to get home before it got dark. It meant I had to prioritize a training schedule. One of the things that I hope will be really helpful as people listen to part one of this podcast is that you get the idea of the overarching goals But then those specific steps, they're going to be different for you. But you can go, okay, what does that practically look like in my life to be healthy? It might not be running a half marathon. It might not be CrossFit. It might be something completely different. But that general idea of I want to take care of myself, you then move into an action step that's doable, that's repeatable, and see that what you will reap after you have sown the right seeds. So, Chris, we have covered my God, my family, my health, and my friends. And that leaves us with our last topic, and that is my leadership. And that applies to every person, every
everyone has influence over other people, whether that's professionally or in the home. What does that look like from a goal-setting perspective? This is the category that most people are the most familiar with. This is where a lot of times goals are set for you in your career, in the workplace. Oftentimes, people have goals associated with their finances. So this should be the most familiar. We use the category leadership here, but it might be my career, my profession, my leadership. So as a leader, I want to be a man who embraces my passion and leverages my boldness to make a difference through three primary talents, leading, teaching, and writing. So for me, what I then do is I take those three primary talents, leading, teaching, and writing, and prioritize those on my calendar. Say, okay, in order to do my job well as the leader of High Point Church, in order to do my job well as the co-founder of Leadership Works, then it's essential for me to prioritize in my schedule these blocks of time that are reserved for working on it, not just working in it. I've got to do the things that revolve around vision and strategy and goals and planning and all of those kind of things. I've got to prioritize meeting with other leaders and developing other leaders. And so I look at that. And then in the category of teaching, well, that's the primary responsibility I have as the leader of High Point Church is that every Sunday, it's my responsibility to teach the Word of God. And That typically requires about 20 to 25 hours of preparation a week. And so every Tuesday and every Thursday, those days are blocked out as study days, as writing days to make sure nothing interferes with that time. And then what we do is we look at writing. And that's where we're at an exciting place in our life right now where we're venturing into writing books and producing resources. And frequently, a lot of that occurs on Fridays. And so when I can block out my time for those things, then I can ensure that there are a thousand and one things I could do as the leader of High Point Church. But not all of those things are my highest and best use. So what are the things in my role that are my highest and best use that only I can do? And I need to delegate the things that others can do. So I need to minimize my weaknesses. I need to maximize my strengths. And I need to play my primary role as the leaders to equip others to play their role. So I've got to put those things and write them down and protect them like crazy because the thing that will hurt you in all of this goal setting more than anything is distractions. And that's why goals are so vitally important. Goals keep you focused. And really probably the definition of focus is focus is a process of elimination. It's eliminating the things that are not in focus that are not primary, that are not your goals. So what we've got to do is we've got to protect ourselves from those distractions, keep those goals front and center, and put those goals actually into strategies, into action points, into deadlines. And then we have to measure those things. And when we do that, we'll be encouraged by what we accomplish week by week, month by month, 
year by year. I hope this has been incredibly helpful and inspiring for you to grab your laptop, your iPad, an old-fashioned piece of paper and pen, and really be prayerful and discerning that as you enter this new year, you say, I want to see what God can do in my life by me being intentional and specific to set some goals and some specific action plans to see that if I sow the right things, what I will reap. The final word I would say about goal setting, ultimately, it is an issue of stewardship. We just need to be a good steward of the time that God has given us, the talents that God has given us, the treasures that God has given us. And so actually, if you don't set goals, it's a poor use of stewardship. So I would encourage you for many reasons to set goals, but ultimately set the goal because you are serving the King of Kings and that you have been given good works to walk in that have been prepared beforehand that you should walk in them, that the purpose of your life is those good works. So set some goals to prioritize those good works for the glory of God and for the good of others. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this edition of Leadership Works. We look forward to being back with you again. In the meantime, if you want to follow us on social media, Twitter, both of us are at Chris Conley or at Karen Conley. Have a great day. 